Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? Good. Uh, good to see you. It's good to be back. I was around most weekends in August, and I thought the guys, all the guys did just a great job on the uh, Whatever series. And so if you missed a weekend, be sure to go to our website, and uh, you can watch the message. I do appreciate the uh, church allowing me to take a little study break in August to plan ahead for the fall and, and beyond. And I'm telling you, we got some exciting stuff coming up this fall, and I can't wait for it. Uh, you don't want to miss it, and so it's good to be back. All right, uh, to get started, I want to do a little survey, quick survey, all right? And uh, here's the question that I want to ask you. Would you consider yourself to be an observant person, all right? Uh, show of hands. How many of you would say, yeah, you know, I tend to notice things. I tend to be pretty observant. Okay, quite a few hands. All right, my hand's up, but you know what? Truthfully, I'm not the most observant person in the world. In fact, sometimes my wife uh, comes up to me and she'll say, uh, did you notice anything different? And uh, that's like the scariest question in the world. You know, when your wife asks you, uh, notice anything different? Because you've got like five seconds to answer, and it better be right. Remember the feeling when you walked into uh, grade school, and you sit down at your desk, and the teacher would say, all right, clear everything off your desk, take out a clean sheet of paper. We're having a pop uh, quiz. And that panic that would come over uh, you, notice anything different, is, is kind of like that, except it's the marital version of the uh, pop uh, quiz. But here's what I've learned. For me, okay, the two best answers to uh, notice anything different are new haircut or uh, new outfit. Yeah, those are my default answers. But you know what? Really, there's no right answer uh, to notice anything different because by the time she says notice anything different, if you haven't noticed anything different, all right, it's already uh, too late. And so actually the best answer is to just kind of cut to the chase and apologize and say, I'm sorry, honey. I should have noticed. I'm just an idiot, and I don't know, you know, how you put up uh, with me. And so I'm not the most observant uh, person. Uh, that's the truth. And, uh, and uh, now I want to try something with you to see how observant you are, okay? And uh, here's what I want to do. Um, I want half the room. Let's start out with this half over here, okay, from like right here on over. I want you to just stand up just for a moment. Would you go ahead and just stand up? We're not going to do anything weird. And, and, and what I want you to do is look over here to the other half of the room. Look at the people over here. What do you see? What do you observe, all right? You know, make a mental note of what you see. Got it? All right, you can go ahead and sit down. All right, now it's uh, your turn over here, okay? I want you to go, guys on this half to just kind of go ahead and stand up and, you know, look over here, okay? Look at the other half of the room, the people over here. What do you see? All right, what do, you, what do you observe? You know, make a mental note of what you see. Got it? All right, thanks for participating. You go ahead and, and sit down, and uh, we'll come back to that later on. Now, one very quick and easy observation that I think we can make about the whole room is that we're all sitting in rows, 100% of you right now. You are sitting in rows, and you're facing forward. You know, you're listening intently. You're, you're looking, you know, right at me. But do you ever wonder, you know, how we got to this point where we almost always, you know, sit in rows when it comes to church? I got a little theory about this. I think it's partly uh, because many pastors love rows. Yeah, we, we make our living with rows. Pastors like to speak to people, you know, in rows. And the more rows that we, that we uh, fill, you know, the more people tend to assume that we're successful. Filling rows can be like a, a scorecard. And, uh, and, and don't forget, it's easier to take up an offering in rows uh, too. So keep the rows coming. Yeah, I like rows. Pastors like rows. Rows are good. But you know what? I really love circles. Love 
circles. Today we're beginning a brand new series, and it's called Together is Better. And the big idea of, of the series is that we accomplish, when it comes to church, we accomplish more together, okay? And so circles are better than rows. I, I believe this is true because I made this observation as I read about the first church that Jesus left behind. And when you read the account of this, of this early church, this first church, you find that almost everything good that happened happened that happened in that church and through that church happened in, in circles and not so much in rows. In fact, let's take a look at what the Bible says about the first church and see what you observe. Let's see what it says here in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to to, uh, give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, as we read those verses, I think we would all observe, you know, that it's, it's very likely that this early church assembled in rows. Notice how it says here that they continue to meet together in the temple courts. The temple courts are this large open area around the temple, kind of about the, about the size of a football field. And I can just imagine the people sitting or standing in rows in the temple courts. But if we look a little bit closer, you know, we see that these first Christ followers actually lived much of their lives in circles. It says, look at this, every day they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together. And so these first Christ followers, they shared life together. They, they opened their homes to each other. They lived much of their lives in circles. And so what we see here in this scripture is four ways that they lived in circles. Four ways that circles are better than rows. And first of all, spiritual growth happens in circles. This description of the early church begins with their wholehearted devotion toward God. But but you can't miss this next part. They also had this relational dedication to each other. Verse 42, it says they devoted themselves. They set priorities. Uh, And their priorities were to the apostles' teachings. That's the teachings of the New Testament, studying that together. And to fellowship in their homes. And to breaking of bread, eating together. and, And to prayer. And so their pursuit and their devotion to God, it wasn't this individual, solitary activity. The early church knew that their relationship with God, it was not something to be practiced or pursued all alone. No, they were devoted to learning together and spending time together and celebrating communion together and praying uh, together. Here, Here they are studying the Bible and fellowshipping together and eating together and praying together. That sounds an awful lot like circles, doesn't it? I grew up in a church where we spent a lot of time sitting in rows. We had what were called pews. And uh, pews are these long, you know, wooden benches that make sure that you sit in rows. And that's where I first learned about Jesus and heard his uh, teachings. But you know what I remember the most what impacted me the most growing up as a kid going to church, it was probably circles. Every Sunday morning, we would gather for Sunday school classes in the basement, in the lower level of the church. Anybody here, any of you attend Sunday school, you know, growing up as a kid? Okay, yeah, several uh, of you. You know, we had classes in the basement for first and second graders, third and fourth graders, and we would sit around, you know, tables. We would sit in a circle 
And, and that's where we would learn about Jesus. And, you know, I still remember the names of, of my teachers, Mrs. Severson, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Green, uh, Mrs. Mrs. McClanahan, who actually attends uh, River Glen Church. And every week on Sunday morning, we learned about Jesus in a circle. We learned how to pray in a circle. And then in high school, we would gather on Sunday nights in a youth group. We would meet in a, in a room in the balcony of our church. It was less formal than Sunday school. And we could ask any questions about God or life. We shared our struggles. We prayed together. We developed friendships, close friendships in that circle. And many of those friendships continue to this day. And as I look back on those days growing up, in church. I spent a lot of time in rows. And rows are good. Rows are helpful. I mean, you gain some important information in rows, but circles impacted me spiritually the most. Without those circles, you know what? I'm not sure I'd be here right now following Jesus. And by the way, that's what your kids are doing right now in kid life. They're experiencing circles and your students in the edge and in life on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights where they learn about Jesus and connect with one another in circles, because circles are better than rows when it comes to growing spiritually. Circles are better at accomplishing our mission of making more and better followers of, of Jesus. Second, second, circles are better at meeting physical needs. Circles are better than rows when it comes to meeting physical needs. If we go back to Acts chapter 2 and look at verses 44 and 45, it says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Notice, notice how they sold everything to help those in need. And this isn't a forced, you know, sell your stuff and give to the, to the poor type of community. No, no, not at all. This wasn't a cult, okay? This early church lived in such a way that they willingly made these decisions to make sure that everybody's needs were taken care of. So what do you think that would look like today? Well, you know, maybe it would be simple things like running an errand for somebody who's sick or in need. Or, you know, mowing somebody's grass who's unable to physically do so. Or snow blowing their driveway. Or maybe bringing a meal to someone dealing with a crisis, or it might mean driving somebody to a doctor's visit who's unable to drive. See, circles allow us to know and meet the physical needs of other people as well as having our own needs met. And sooner or later, all of us are going to have some needs, some physical needs. In fact, right now, you know what? You're either, you're either in a time of need, or maybe you're coming out of a time, in need, time of need, or you're moving toward a time of need. Some of you know this, that uh, you know, the last month has been a time of, of need, uh, physical need in, in, in my family, especially for my wife. This all happened quickly. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Here's what happened. Several weeks ago, Marnie went in for just a routine checkup, an uh, annual uh, mammogram, and they noticed something abnormal. And so they did some more uh, tests, and they uh, took a biopsy, but they told us that it was very likely uh, benign. And so the next day, we were surprised to find out that it was breast cancer. And then a couple weeks later, they did surgery, and, and Marnie's recovery has gone really well. She's just am amazed us how she's uh, you know, recovered so well, so quickly from the surgery. She's doing really well, but we would appreciate your prayers as she begins the next phase of her treatment this month. We are grateful that they, they caught this early. It's stage one, and they're, they're very optimistic. They fully anticipate curing it. And we're very grateful for the support and prayers of uh, many of, of, of you. Uh, for example, uh, the day of Marnie's surgery, uh, the church staff all wore pink 
to show their support for her. What a great idea. And that just really meant a lot to Marnie. Some of them texted pictures over to her, and she smiled and, and laughed, and it made a very difficult day. It made, it made it a little bit easier. We've got a great staff here that really care for one another. Marnie also leads a women's small group on Thursday night, and um, they meet in a circle. They, they do life together. They study together. And several of those ladies brought meals over to our house, and they came over to visit Marnie during her recovery. And and they prayed for her. So especially these past few weeks, I mean, we have just personally witnessed how circles do an amazing job meeting physical needs. And here's why that's true. Because if we just sit in rows, you know, it's so easy to not know, to not notice the needs of other people. I'm just sitting there, you know, looking at the back of your head, and you're looking at the back of somebody else's head. But when you sit in a circle, you got to look someone in the eye. When you sit across from someone, you see and you hear their need, and they see and hear your need. I'm telling you, circles are better than rows when it comes to meeting uh, the physical needs of other people. And it's not just spiritually and physically. Circles are better than rows when it comes to providing emotional support. Did you know that research actually proves that circles are better than rows? You know, I love it when research proves what God established long ago. You know, I wonder if God's up there in heaven going, you know, I told you so. You know, when new research comes out. PBS commissioned a study to better understand the connection between happiness and relational connectedness. And out of the research, they produced this documentary called The Emotional Life. And here's what Here's a quote from that documentary. Researchers have found that people are happier when they are with other people than when they are alone. And the boost is the same for introverts and extroverts. They also are finding that happy people are more pleasant, helpful, and sociable. So being around other people makes us feel happier. And when we are happier, we're more fun to be around. Look at this. Creating an upward spiral of happiness. I love that image. What a great image of a, of a circle, an upward spiral of happiness. Because I've heard that depression causes a downward spiral emotionally. But circles, not rows, circles lead to an upward spiral of happiness. That's why it says in Acts 2, verses 46 and 47, that the first Christ followers lived with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Because circles lift us emotionally. Circles are better than rows at providing emotional support. And it's not just physically and spiritually and emotionally. There's one more way that circles are superior. Mission engagement happens in circles. Circles are better than rows when it comes to accomplishing, helping us accomplish the mission of Jesus. The last sentence in our passage from Acts 2, uh, verse 47 says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This week I checked our numbers to just see, you know, how we're doing, see how God's working. And I learned that last year we baptized just over 160 people. If you spread that number out, that breaks down to about three people, a little over three people a week coming to faith and, uh, and getting to baptized. And very often when we baptize somebody, maybe after a service, we've got a baptistry over here, or, or, or during, the, during the week, very often people from their small group We'll, we'll attend and sit together and support and even cheer for the person getting baptized. Sometimes we'll ask, uh, invite the person getting baptized to write down their story. And, and they'll thank their small group. They'll list the names of people in their circle that influence them. Sometimes they'll even ask their small group leader 
to baptize them. I mean, sitting here in rows, it can be helpful. It can help a lot. I mean, there's some good information you can learn sitting in rows. But when it comes to our mission of making more and better followers of Jesus, my experience, circles are better. I want you to hear from two guys who attend the same small group about the difference that it's made in their life. Take a look at the screens. I'm Ray. I've been coming to River Glen. I uh, actually started about six years ago. I'm Aaron. Uh, we've been coming for three and a half, four years now. So Ray and I both travel. We found out later we both travel a lot. And um, I was pretty disgusted getting on the plane because I had a middle seat. As a, you know, you fly a lot, you typically don't want to sit in the middle. And there was a very nice little old lady on one side. And she started asking me. I had my phone out. And I picture us. So we have twin boys that are six now. So at the time, they would have been you know, a couple years old. She started, uh, oh, those are really cute. You know, where do you live? I said, oh, we live in Delafield and blah, blah, blah. And then Ray said, oh, I, I, live, in De I live in Delafield. I said, oh, that's nice. I'm not a talker on a plane either, so I'm typically not the guy that's gonna engage in a conversation. I just wanna put my earphones on and, and, and be quiet. So Ray and I get talking first about restaurants. Um, and, and then we get talking about somehow, I don't know, apparently very comfortable with each other and we start talking about churches and we were going to a different area church at the time Ray said oh you should you know you should come out and check out uh, River Glen I said yeah that sounds like a great idea because we were kind of looking we were in that that researching mode after moving back to Wisconsin looking for a, a, a new church home so I get home from this, this is the best part and this is the part my wife said don't tell but this is the best part of the story. So we get home and I, and I walk in the door, I'm real excited, and I said, hey, I met this guy on a plane and he and his wife were coming over. And, and, my, and my wife was like, wait, you invited some strange person that you've never, you just met talking on a plane, you invited him to our house? I'm like, yeah, him and his wife. And uh, so, so that was kind of the, the, the genesis of our friendship first. Um, I think our families hit it off like right away. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, so it just kind of kind of all worked out. Um, actually, the reason why uh, my wife and I made River Glen home for us is is through small group. Yeah, and, and for us, we, we had gone to church in the Twin Cities uh, for seven or eight years. And for me anyways, I don't know that I really understood what doing life together really meant. I'll tell you from a small group perspective, I didn't want to do it. This is now back seven or eight years ago up in Minnesota. I really did, I had no interest in doing it. I didn't really want to open the doors to what I was thinking or feeling or my faith and how it worked or didn't work. But in this group, it's our families are kind of our extended family. We all consider ourselves part of each other's families, essentially. It is a lot more than just going to church. It's a lot more than you know reading a, or studying a book in the Bible. There's, there's more to it. That's a great part of it, but there's more to it than that. Honestly, the, the small group makes me feel connected to uh, not only the church, but even more so uh, with, with God on a, a consistent basis. I feel like our group is, is good about having real genuine conversations um, and that we're all very honest with the difficulties that we have with any kind of, you know, any difficult topic, which happens in, in church discussions and we're all very open about you know our struggles and and you know our thoughts and everyone's respectful of that and you know it's there's nothing better than we've been the new guys going to a church before 
walking in and seeing a lot of strange faces versus walking in and seeing some familiar faces, that's a huge, huge difference. It, it, just that familiarity, um, I think it allows you to engage, it allows you to open up a lot more when you have that little family of people that you can talk to your similar struggles with. You know, what, what's, the, what's the worst thing that could happen? You're gonna meet some probably pretty awesome people. You'll see at church and you get those familiar faces. You get that familiar, uh, the people that you know at church. And the best that can come out of it is you make lifelong friends. You have, you have a big extended family. And as transplants for both of us that don't have people in the immediate area, that's a pretty cool deal when you have a, a whole bunch of instant family mm -hmm. right in your neighborhood or in your, your church area. It's worth uh, checking out and, you know, give it a shot. You can try different different kind of groups. There's, I think the, the mix and type of groups that are out there is, is uh, tremendous and um, you know, we'll be, I'd be glad to talk to anyone if they're on the fence about it. Best thing, one of the best things ever, my wife again, it totally encouraged and said, you really think about it, right? Try it. And that's what I would say to anybody is try it. Hey, let's give Ray and uh, Aaron a hand. Great job. That's a great story about the difference that groups make. I think it's a good illustration of how groups engage us in fulfilling the mission of, of Jesus. Because through our circles, the world gets to see us practice the one another's. 59 times in the New Testament, this phrase, one another, occurs. It tells us to accept one another, to forgive one another, to serve one another, be patient with one another, pray for one another. Offer hospitality to one another, carry one another's burdens, and, and on and on. And ultimately, to love one another. And I'm telling you, that happens best in circles. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I'm telling you, that happens in circles. Reminds me of a story I heard about this pastor by the name of Juan Carlos Ortiz. Maybe some of you have heard of him. He was pastor of a church in South America, one of the largest churches in South America. He tells this incredible story of what happens when a church breaks out of rows and moves into uh, circles. Ortiz's church was this energetic and fiery Pentecostal church. And on this particular Sunday, I mean, the people were really singing out, you know, with lots of energy. They were praying with lots of enthusiasm. And, of course, the people were all sitting in rows. And they were very sure the presence of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, was there as uh, Pastor Ortiz got ready to deliver the message. And uh, he brought a message. He prepared a message straight from the, the Bible. He, he spent a lot of time that week praying and studying this, this passage about loving one another. He crafted this message. And he believed that God guided him to deliver that particular message on Sunday. And so as he approached the podium, I mean, he was just filled with boldness and courage. But something happened about halfway from his seat to the podium. He heard a voice kind of, as, kind of in his spirit say, Juan. And, uh, you know, he took it that this was the, the voice of God. And so he said, yes, Lord. And he felt like God was even asking him, you know, Juan, how many times have you already preached on this passage to love one another in this church? And he's getting ready to talk, and in his mind, he's thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe a dozen times, maybe more, he thought. And as he's about to step in front of the church to speak, he heard, his, he heard the same kind of voice in his heart and in his mind say, did any of those sermons do any good? Ortiz says he suddenly realizes he's got the wrong message, and he just froze solid in, in front of the church, and he, and he looked out at the people all sitting in 
pews. He, he looked at the people, people that he had visited in a hospital, people that he had counseled, people that he had helped become followers of Christ, people who, many of them had heard the message of Christianity many times, but he knew they struggled to live it out. And suddenly all thoughts evaporated in his mind, and he just stood frozen in front of the congregation as they waited to hear some words of inspiration. Well, finally, he just spoke up, and he said, he said this. He said, love one another. And he turned around, went back to his seat, and he sat down. And the people just sat there in silence because this was a, a Pentecostal church, and, I mean, they could handle some fiery preaching and passionate praise, but they didn't really know how to handle stillness and silence. And then Pastor Ortiz stood up, and he walked up to the podium again, and he looked at the congregation, and he said the same thing, love one another. And he turned around, walked back to his, his seat. This time, heads began to turn, and uh, people looked at each other with, you know, question looks on their face, and they began to silently ask each other, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do now? Shoulders shrug, eyebrows raised, bewilderment on their faces. Well, again, after waiting a few minutes, Ortiz walked to the podium. He positioned himself, and very deliberately, with a little more force, he said, love one another. And then he turned around and went back to his seat again. But this time, after a few moments, a man stood up and he said, brothers and sisters, I think I understand what Pastor Ortiz wants us to do. He's asking me to, to love you. And as he said this, he pointed to the family seated in front of him and he said, but how can I love you when I don't even know your name? And so the man proceeded to go over and introduce himself and ask questions of this family in hopes of, of discovering a way that he could express his love. Another man stood up and he said, I, I also understand what Pastor Ortiz is saying. He wants me to love Carlos. Carlos was sitting a few rows behind him. But how can I love Carlos when I'm carrying a grudge against him? And so he left his seat and he approached Carlos and he apologized and the two reconciled. And this just opened up the floodgates in the auditorium, and people began to circle up amongst themselves. They began to ask each other what they could do for one another. And that Sunday, he said, incredible things happened. There was one, one family that was there. They traveled to the city to get medical help for their young daughter, but they didn't have money to get back home. Somebody purchased a bus ticket for them. Another young man showed up who needed a job. He was introduced to a business owner who needed help. The young man got that job. Ortiz made this comment. He said, while all this is going on, you know, I'm just sitting in my chair watching and praying uh, while uh, one of the most powerful messages, one of the most powerful sermons that I ever gave in that church. And he would tell you, that church was never the same after that worship service. And what did they learn that day? That circles are better than rows. And I'm telling you, I'm absolutely convinced that loving one another and connecting with one another happens best in circles. And here around River Glen, we just call these small groups. And I want to be real clear. I want everybody here, for all these reasons that we've talked about today, to get in a small group, to be in a small group. Because small groups, I mean, this is not a new trend or a new program or a fad that's going to come and go. Small groups started when Jesus started that first church in Jerusalem. And small groups have been part of River Glen Church from day one. Our church began as a small group. We called it a launch team. 
We met in our, our living room together as a group, and we dreamed about starting a church where people could not just sit in rows, but they could really connect in circles. And over the years, I tell you what, I've been part of some, some groups, some amazing circles that have allowed me to become friends with uh, some of the kindest and uh, most uh, generous and authentic followers of, of, of Jesus. I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. When we moved into our first home in Waukesha, this was many years ago, somebody from our small group remodeled our entire bathroom for us. It was incredible. A few years later, we moved into another house in Waukesha. Our small group secretly organized a painting party, and they, and they repainted every room in the entire house. It was just amazing. Some of you are thinking, I don't want to be in a small group with Ben. He's going to work you to death. <laughs> no, it's just that those are the people. When you're in a circle that you begin to love. And, and I'll tell you what, I love circles. I love to study the Bible you know, in a circle. Other people see things in the scripture that I miss, and it deepens my understanding. I love to pray in a circle. It strengthens my prayer life. I, like, I mean, I like rows. Rows are good. You know, we need to keep gathering in rows. You can acquire lots of good and helpful information in rows. But I love circles. And so let's go back to that question we began with. Remember the question? Are you observant? Remember I said, you know, what do you, what do you notice? What do you observe about the people in the other half of the room? And if you answered, you know, new outfit or a new haircut, good try. But if you said they're all sitting in rows, you were correct. But maybe you didn't notice something because you in, you're in rows. And it's that, it's that these other people need you. Okay, and you need them. And every one of us here in this room, we need a circle of people who together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can help us get through, you know, anything that life brings our way. Anything. And so here's the challenge that I have for all of you today and the challenge we're going to give you this entire series. I love having you here in rows. Keep coming here in rows, okay? But join a circle. Join a circle. Get in a group. You know, maybe you're afraid you know, you know, maybe you're afraid, okay, will, will anybody else be there? You know, is anybody else doing this, gathering in a, in a circle? Well, maybe you didn't know this, but 50% of you are already in a group. Half of you are in a group. And what we'd love to do is get the other half also in a group. We'd love to see that percentage increase. So get in a small group. And for those of you that are already in a small group, I want you to get going with your group this month. So here's what I'd, I'd like everybody to do. I want you to uh, uh, take out the card. There's a little card, white card. It's got an orange and purple logo in the corner. It's in the chair back in front of you. Would you go ahead and, and reach in front and just take out that card? I want to go over that with you. And uh, if you're already in a group, okay, and you want to continue with that group, would you go ahead and just check that box? And then you can put this card in the uh, offering bag a little bit later in our service. But if you're not connected to a group, you know, maybe your group ran its course and that happens. That's, that's normal. That's okay. But now you need to find a new group. Or maybe you've never connected in a small group before. I want you to step in. I want you to step into a small group. And to help you find a group, I want to invite you to this great event that we have uh, uh, coming up. And uh, here it is right here. It's called GroupLink. It's going to be a fun event. It's coming up in a, in a, in a couple weeks on, on September 18th at uh, noon. And it's kind of like test driving a car, you know, before you make a purchase. Many of our small groups are going to be there. Many of the small group leaders are going to be there. And you can, you can, you can meet them. You can ask questions. And this, this event, I mean, it will, it will help you find a group 
that fits you. We provide free childcare, free uh, lunch. So just fill out the card and sign up for Group Link and put that card in the uh, offering bag later in the service. If you've got some questions about group link or questions about uh, small groups, stop at the resource center after the service. We have people there that would love to help you. Maybe some of you would like to start your own circle. Maybe you're ready to start your own circle. You know what? We'd love to help you. You know, we can, we can resource you. We can come alongside you. Stop at the resource center and find out more because together really is better. And you know what? You need people and other people need you. And rows are good. But circles are even better than rows. And so today I want to do communion, just a, just a little bit different than we normally uh, do it. We're going we're to pass the, the trays uh, during this next song. And uh, I want you to hold the cup, okay? And our communion's open to anybody that follows Jesus. If it's all new to you and you want to take a pass on it, that's fine. But it's open. And for those of you participating, please hold that cup. And then after the song, I'm going to come back up. And I'll lead us to take it together to remind us that together is better And Jesus brings us together. And so hold your cup, and uh, I'll come back up, and we'll take communion together. Let me pray for us. God, I'm sure that many of us know this principle, that we're better together. We know it's true in many other areas of life. But I pray that we'll put it into practice as a church, and that each of us will experience the benefits and the blessings of a circle God, I pray for those who are already in a group that when they get it going this month that they would experience these same blessings, wonderful blessings that we talked about today that the first church experienced. And God, for the new groups that are, that are forming and for hundreds of people that will step into groups, that they will experience what it's like to really share the journey with other people and how helpful that is and how much better that is when we do it together than when we do it on our own. And God, right now, we thank you. We pause and we thank you for Jesus who came and and died on a cross to forgive all of our sins, to, to bring us together in relationship with you and together in relationship with one another because we really are better together. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.